Well, good morning. Wait, gone. These 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 lights are are something else. I tell you what, it uh, it is hard to see all of you, but uh, I I hope that eventually I'll be able to to uh, to engage with you. And I just wanted to say, if you are joining us online, wherever you might be, thank you for joining us with Be Rich. Um, this is a super exciting Sunday, maybe a, a lot different uh, than what we would normally do. Um, some of you have been around with the Crossing long enough that you remember us doing Be Rich clear back when we were in the Senior Center. We did a, a round of Be Rich, and, uh, and we haven't done it for quite a few years, and I am really stoked to be able to bring it back and do it again. And if you are new to the Crossing, um, then you're going to get to participate with us with, uh, with Be Rich. And so, I don't know if you have ever asked the question, um, do you think Jesus ever got angry? You ever think anything ever made Jesus mad? Um, I'm going to get to share with you something today that actually made Jesus mad. Now, it's different than what makes us mad. Um, I don't know if you've ever observed this, but the things that make us mad is because we don't get what we want. You ever thought about that? And, and I realize I'm going to ruin um, your anger from now on, um, and, uh, because even with your children, even when you want um, what's best for your children and, uh, and, and what you want for them is really good, but when they're not doing what you want, it makes you angry, right? Because it's like I'm still not getting what I want. In fact, uh, I shared this a, a few years ago. We kind of went through a series and talked about anger specifically, and, and uh, one of the gals on our staff, she was like, most, you have ruined me forever. My, my daughter is at home, and I get angry with her, and uh, she's like, Mom, what's the matter? Are you not getting what you want? <laughs> ah, yeah, see, we get angry because we don't get what we want. That's not what made Jesus angry, uh, but we're going to dive in and look at something that really made Jesus angry, and uh, and. You know, the Apostle Peter actually dictated it to Mark, and Mark writes it down for us uh, in Mark chapter 3. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, if you're joining us online, I uh, would encourage you to open maybe your Version app, or if you have a paper Bible, you can join us uh, in Mark chapter 3. But uh, Mark writes, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Seems kind of odd. But in the first century, you know, deformities were probably not, you know, a huge deal, as embarrassing as I'm sure it was. And, um, but, you know, they, you know, whether you were born with something or maybe you were just, you know, they were skateboarding, you know, first century skateboard, skateboarding down the, uh, the, the, the rocky road and you crash and you break your arm. Well, you break it bad enough. I mean, they didn't set arms and they didn't set, you know, all of the bones and, and have surgeries and pins and all of the stuff that we get to have to kind of put us back to what we would call as, you know, it's whatever normal is that, you know, we'd get back to what we were before. They didn't have all of that. And so, you know what, you, you break it and you couldn't set it just right and it wasn't used. It's was just, you just lived with it. And so Jesus sees this guy with a deformed hand, and he sees an opportunity to teach some of the guys that were there something that he wants you and I to be aware of, to embrace, to know, and to live out in our lives. He says, since it was the Sabbath, which this is what sets the whole thing up as what Jesus wants to be able to teach us is because it was the Sabbath and Jesus' enemies, which were the religious leaders, check that out, watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. To which we're just like, what? I mean, to us that seems a little bit strange, but in Jesus' day, see, this was a big deal and and the, the religious leaders, they created laws around the laws to keep you from breaking the law. But typically what would happen is they created laws that pertain to everybody else except for them, right? So they were laws that everyone else was supposed to follow, but they didn't really have to follow them themselves. 
In fact, maybe you got bumped out of church because you were in a religious system that kind of operated that way. And Jesus introduces to us a religion that prioritizes God over what God prioritizes. Did you catch that? A religion that prioritizes God over what God prioritizes. It's just, I just want a religion where it's just vertical. God and I can be right. God and I can be good. But I don't have to prioritize what God prioritizes. I can... I can, I can go horizontally and treat people however I want to treat people. Well, Jesus says to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone, to which I'm sure this guy was like, oh, great. Yeah, that's just what I wanted to do, Jesus. Thank you so much. You know, stand up in front of everyone, be embarrassed in front of everyone. I didn't really want to do that, Jesus, but, you know, and, and I, I don't know if Jesus is whispering under his breath, he's like, Hey, it'll be worth it, trust me. <laughs> you know, a little bit of embarrassment's fine, but you know what? It'll be worth it. And so the guy stands up in front of everyone. Then he turns to his critics, the religious leaders, and asks, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or destroy a life? In other words, religious leaders, surely on the Sabbath, I mean, all of you own animals. He, you know, they, they all own animals. I mean, on the Sabbath, you, you, you own animals. If you go out and you're feeding your animal and you, you find him, you know what, uh, in a well or you, you find him upside down and he can't get back right side up, I mean, what do you, you're just like, oh, dude, bummer for you. You know, I hope it works out. Tomorrow I'll come and try and help you out, but I can't help you today. I mean, Jesus like, you don't do that. You actually go and help the animal. I mean, we, we, uh, we used to feed cattle, and I, and I tell you what, we have more stories about what animals can do. I, it is unreal what animals can do. I mean, we would have times where we would go out and, and find an animal upside down. He'd got through the bunk, through the, 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 the cables in the bunk, got through the bunk, turned himself upside down in the bunk and is just laying there with his feet straight up waiting for someone to come and rescue him, you know? You imagine on Sunday, you're going down feeding, you're like, oh, bummer, dude, it's Sunday. I'll be back tomorrow, I'll try and help you out there. I mean, we, we had waters where, where waters were shared in, in a couple different pens, but I mean, they were locked down tight with, uh, with continuous fence. And I mean, it was... Physically, I'm not kidding you, it was physically impossible to see what sometimes we would go out in the morning and see, and it's like, I have no idea what in the world you calves have been doing. They're like teenagers, but they're just like, I mean, all of a sudden you go out there, there is, there, I mean, here's a triangle in a, in a continuous fence, you know, uh, 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 water, and here's a calf in the middle of it, and you're like, that is physically impossible. You would have had to go spelunking under the, the, the fence, which you couldn't even have room to do, and you got in there. How in the world did you do it? But you know what? It's Sunday. I can't help you. Jesus is like, guys, really? And see, the question behind the question that he's, he's asking is, is the law of God for the benefit of God? Is the law of God for the benefit of God? Or is the law of God for the benefit of those God loves. In other words, God didn't, he didn't come along and say, oh man, you know, I've got all these laws, but I don't have any people. I think I'll create some people because I have a bunch of laws. He's like, no, what, 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 what came first? That would be like parents saying, I mean, they're, you know, a couple, they just get married, just like sitting around, it's like, man, we have all of these cool toys. We should have some kids for our toys. No. No, see, you don't do that. You're like, we have kids, so we're going to get some toys. We don't have kids because we have toys. And that's exactly what Jesus, Jesus is like, look, we didn't make man for the Sabbath. We made Sabbath for man. And, and you guys 
are prioritizing God, but you're not prioritizing the things that God prioritizes. And so he's asking them, so which is it? They all know of the answer, and I would imagine some of them that were sitting around there is like, well, we kind of really know the answer. It's pretty obvious, but we're not going to say it because the religious leaders are right here, and we'll get in trouble from them if we say anything. So we're not going to say anything. So they wouldn't answer him. <laughs> and, and this is... This is where we go wrong. This is what we oftentimes do. And just so you know, see, whenever our application of Scripture conflicts with the intent of the author of Scripture, we have the wrong application. You can put interpretation right here. Whenever our interpretation of Scripture conflicts with the intent of the author of Scripture, our interpretation is wrong. And so, Jesus is just bewildered. And Mark writes down, Peter's dictating to him, and Mark, you know, Peter's like, <laughs> he looked at them, Jesus looked at them angrily. It ticked him off. Not because Jesus wasn't getting his way, but because religion was getting in the way. He looked at him angrily and was deeply saddened. You see, Jesus didn't get angry because he wasn't getting his way. Jesus often got angry because it was oftentimes when we allow religion to get in the way. This is how pagan religions work. And and what's interesting is it makes its way into, oftentimes, even the Christian world. And maybe you grew up in the system where it was like, you know what, there was no emphasis in your family whatsoever in how you would live throughout the week. In fact, you could, you could talk however you wanted to talk. You could treat people however you wanted to treat them. You could yell at people however you want. You could treat people in your family however poorly you wanted to treat them, but we're going to church on Sunday. We're go we went to church on Sunday. So we're good. Vertically, we're good. And that's really all I'm worried about. And as long as I can go and I can check my box that I went to church, you know what? I might have even given a little bit of money. And so, you know what? God, I, I checked a couple of boxes. You and I should be good. It doesn't matter how I treat anyone else. And Jesus comes along and says, that's the very thing that makes me angry. That's why Jesus said, hey, if you're going to, you know what, you're going to bring your offering, and he's talking to these first century Jews who, you know, they understand their, the, the, the sacrifice, sacrificial system, so they're going to the temple, and they, you know what, they get their pigeon, they go through the process of, uh, and, the, and, and all of the, the stuff, maybe they couldn't afford you know what, the more expensive sacrifices of whatever they, they went through, the whole process to get their sacrifice, they're standing in line to offer it. And Jesus says, well, you're standing in line and you're waiting to offer your sacrifice and you realize, you know, and you're thinking, in fact, you're probably having an imaginary conversation with someone that you're angry with. And in your imaginary conversation, you're just crushing this person because you're so good with your you know, oratory skills and just kind of, they're wilting under the fact that you are right and they are wrong and, and, and just wilting under that while you're waiting to, you know what, make sure that you give your sacrifice so you and God can be good. Jesus says, why don't you just go ahead and leave your sacrifice there and go make it right? What? No. Yeah, serious. Before you come and think you're going to get right with me, why don't you get right with them? No, we don't like to see. This is the thing that, that people love about the crossing and the thing that people hate about the crossing. Because they love it because we, we really want to bring practical application from Scripture to life change. 
the thing that they hate about the crossing is we bring Scripture, at, you know what, really practical application to life change. The, very, the same thing. They love about it. They hate about it. Why? Because we just want to come in and check a box, Eric. We don't want to change anything that we're doing. We just, we just want to worship God vertically. We just want to say, you know what? I was in the building. In fact, I even gave a little money, and God and I are good. I can live however I want. And Jesus is just like, that's the thing that ticks me off more than anything else. So Jesus looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. It was the hard hearts, the fact that they knew the answer and the answer was so obvious but they wouldn't say it because they had to be right. And then he says to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand. Jesus restores it. To which I would imagine some of the people were in there, right? I mean, maybe a little golf clap. Maybe it's like, yes. I mean, isn't, aren't all of you right now, I mean, you're watching online, would you say you're, you're secretly, secretly even rooting for Jesus at this point? Rooting for this guy who got his hand restored? He's just like, yes. And yet, the religious leaders, at once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. And plot they did, and they ended up succeeding, thinking that they had wiped Jesus out and the entire movement. Little did they know. <laughs> that was Jesus' entire plan, that he would die for the sins of the world. And then he invites his church to say, guys, come on. Come on, I don't want you to practice pagan religion. I don't want you to just practice a religion where you go through some motions and you check some boxes and you think you and I are good and then you can go throughout your week and not give one thought about me in how you treat other people. You see, when we as Christians believe that we could be right with God as we mistreat people, we are fooling ourselves. We are fooling ourselves. See, when people use the law of God to discount people made in the image of God, Jesus was quick to remind them that they were on the wrong side of God. So, any type of religion that values God but ignores what God values is not a religion that God values. A religion that honors God but dishonors those that God honors is not a religion that God honors. A religion that prioritizes God over what God prioritizes is not a religion that God prioritizes. And some of you have experienced this, right? In fact, some of you maybe walked away from the church because I guarantee you, any bad church experience you have had, you have experienced some kind of part of this. Where maybe they just wanted to come and say, you know what? God and I can be good, but it doesn't really matter how I treat you. And that's exactly why we do be rich. It is why we do be rich. See, be rich is, is our way corporately to be able to express our love for God by caring for those that God loves. It is an expression outward of saying, it is not just okay for us to come and, and have a sermon and sing some songs, because that is not our mission, that is not our goal, that is not the end game. But that we would corporately do something that individually we should be doing on an ongoing basis. Be rich is 
something that we get to do corporately that we should be doing individually on an ongoing basis and expecting nothing in return. No strings attached. Generosity. Where does be rich come from? It comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, in which Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, and he says, command them, Timothy, to do good. To those that, that, uh, in, in this church that you are a part of the leadership of, I want you to command them to do good. I want you to command them to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. I want you to command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. And in this context, Paul is talking, he's telling Timothy, he's like, now you're talking to all of the rich people. Now I realize that's not you and me, okay? Because, I mean, every, there's, there's, there's rich people, but that's not us. I mean, I, I realize that you drove in a vehicle to, you know, to gather with the church this morning, and I realize, you know what, you are watching in a ginormous flat screen, or you're watching on a six, seven, maybe even a thousand dollar, you know, hand device. I mean, but you're not rich. I understand that, that you're not rich. And I understand that you, you know what, you probably backed your vehicle out of a house that you have specifically for your vehicle. But I realize, you know what, we are not rich. And I understand you have money, you know what, in your ashtray because you don't know what else to do with it anymore because nobody smokes. But anyway, you just like, you know, but you just got a little bit stored in there. You're not sure what to do with it. But I understand that you're not rich. See, we don't think we're rich because we just compare ourselves to someone else that's a little bit more rich than we are. But I guarantee you, if you sat down with, with, you know, with a family from Haiti and tried to explain to them your financial problems, <laughs> they would look at you like, what? A 401, huh? You have a what? You, you, you have a car? You have who? You have TV? You have a house? You have, you have a house for your car? See, we just don't think we're rich because we compare ourselves to other people. So, Paul says, command them, Timothy, to be rich. Financially, in serving, and in loving. And that is what be rich is. It is a giving component, there is a serving component, there is a loving component. So the giving component, our goal today is that you, we would have 100% participation. This is what I would love for us to do. That corporately, that we would have 100% participation. We don't have a financial goal that we would reach. Our goal is that everyone would participate. And if you were a part of be rich that we did, you know, quite a few years ago, clear back in the senior center. Here's the great news. There is no price increase from that time till now. Is that unbelievable? No, no inflation. No adjustment for inflation. This isn't even a monthly thing that we're asking you to do. This is a one-time gift. A one-time gift, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. I would love for all of you to say it together with me, okay? A one-time gift of what? $39.95, right? $39.95. Now, that should not break the bank. I'm thinking that shouldn't break the bank. And those of you who are just like, oh, man, I don't know. Here's the thing. I know, I know you have this much money. You know how I know how you have that much money? Because there's no concessions. Have you noticed this? I have gone to three football games and I have not gotten a hot dog yet. And some of you families with kids, you blow through that no time flat. So I'm thinking, you know, we should be able to come up with this no problem. And some of you, you can do way more than $39.95. So come on. Come on, let's be rich. You know what? John, the Apostle John 
in, in his letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he talks about giving, and he talks about not being constipated in your giving. Seriously, that's the words he uses. Don't be constipated in your giving. Because some of you are just like, oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> Instead of giving to the church, I'll just give $40 to be rich. That's constipated giving. Okay? So I'm not talking about what you would normally give to the church. I'm talking about, well, you know what? Maybe we won't go out to eat one extra time this month. That would be about $40. And we're going to give that and be rich instead. We're going we're gonna to be rich to someone else. We are going to intentionally bless someone else. So here's the ways to give. You can give online at thecrossingfellowship.com forward slash give. You can write a check. You remember how to do that? Some of you are like, no, I haven't done that in, ever. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Some, some of you are just like, that's all I'm going to do, and I'm not going online to do it, all right? So you can write a check, and, uh, and, and if you are online and you're wondering how you can do this, you can, if you're a check writer, you know what? You could do that, put Be Rich on the uh, memo line and send that to P.O. Box 17 and we will get that and it will go. And here's the thing, 100% of what we raise for Be Rich will go away. There is no, you know what, handling fee. There, there, there isn't any of that. 100% of what we raise will be 100% given away. You can text to give. If you put all lowercase, be rich with any amount to 84321, 84321. Text be rich, all lowercase, no hyphen, all lowercase with any amount to 84321. Or you can go on the Church Center app, and if you have not downloaded the Church Center app, I would encourage you to do that, and, uh, and then you can find the Crossing Fellowship there, and you can set up um, all of... In fact, you can keep track of everything that we're doing on the Church Center app. I to encourage you to do that as well. All right, so who are we giving this money to? Some of you are like, okay, well, you know, but what, where's the money going? All right, it's going to go in three different directions. First of all, it's going to go, and these are not in order by any stretch, Deborah's Legacy. Deborah's Legacy is a Jesus-centered Drug Rehabilitation Residency for Girls in North Platte, okay? And what I love about Deborah's Legacy is Deborah's Legacy um, was one of the founders of Deborah's Legacy was, is a gal that graduated a year behind me in high school, and she married a guy that was in my class. And, uh, and I didn't know anything about Deborah's Legacy until um, about a year ago, I, I came into contact with Jill and, and found out what she was doing. It was like, wow, this is, this is an incredible thing. And, uh, and so they bring gals in to this home, and, uh, and then they have another building that's next to it. And oftentimes, Jill's like, oftentimes the gals come and they're, they're, in, they're in bad enough shape that they're not able to even go and, and have a job. They're just, they're just not able to even function in that way. And so the thing that we do is we hire them and, uh, to, to, to start make, making some of their own money, and, and, and they go through an entire process of teaching these gals how to function in society again, how to get healthy. And so they have a, a whole building that uh, is filled with all kinds of different Things for the for the gals to do. They have looms in there where they make rugs. Some of you are like a loom. What in the world's a loom? You old people. You're like, uh, yeah, I know what a loom is. So if if you think someone is old, go ask them if you know. If you're asked, do you know what a loom is? They think you're old. So I, you know, just be careful. But anyway, my mom has a loom. But anyway, um, they they make rugs. They make you know what. Uh, bracelets, they make jewelry, they make all kinds of stuff, and they sell that stuff. And uh, so they start rehabilitating these gals to where they can function in society in a Christ-centered way, and they invite um, other mentors into that process. It is a phenomenal, it is so relational, it is so awesome. 
And they have seen extraordinary change in some of these gals. And they've seen unbelievable, you know what, transformation. They see unbelievable heartbreak. (laughs) It is roll your sleeves up because it's messy. But they are on the front lines of getting it done. Wildflower Ministries. Wildflower Ministries is a ministry that is coming out of the Crossing Fellowship. This is my daughter, Jessica, and Ellie Powers. Who in, in, and uh, Jessica and Ellie have started Wildflower Ministries, come under the canopy of Maranatha Ministries, and operating to, um, to, to really focus in on middle school girls and high school girls to really help them to live free from lies, limits, and labels. Now, if you were in middle school, how awesome would it have been if there would have been a couple of college students, girls, and if you're a girl, you know, college student girls, they were, like, they were so willing to pour into you as a middle schooler and to help you at that age learn how to live free from lies, labels, and limits. You think that could have changed your life? So here they are. They're, they're, they're launching what God has called them to do. And we get to, you know what, come along and put some wind in their sail as they start this ministry on solid financial footing. And then another ministry birthing out of the crossing is Heartbeat. Heartbeat is um, a ministry that Deb Adams has started. And, uh, and you probably saw some bottles on your way in this morning and if you're online, you didn't see the bottles, but there are bottles out in the foyer. And, uh, and so the thing that we would love for you to do, if you're online and you would like one of these bottles, then we would love for you to comment in the comment section. Um, even if you're in YouTube, you can do that um, as well. And then we will try to connect with you and get you a bottle. But here's what Deb would love for us to do, to take these bottles, to take them home, put our change in those bottles, and then bring them back. And, uh, and then she will take those, and she is going to explain um, what this entire ministry is about. And, and, uh, and, and my son Cody was able to sit down with Deb and kind of capture through video some of, uh, of Deb's testimony and kind of the process that God brought her through to birthing this uh, ministry and uh, what she would love to see happen with it. And so we want to be able to share that with you. Hello, my name is Deborah Adams. I was led to lead a women's life group. It was focused on not only being forgiven, but forgiving as Jesus forgave. I was led by God to start this group to share my life my testimony. He told me it was time. And when I didn't think I would have the opportunity, one of my ladies asked me, why is it so hard to forgive yourself? I looked into her eyes of tears and I said to her, Let me tell you the most awful thing I ever did. I was about 20 years old when I chose to have an abortion. I was isolated from my family. I lived in another state. Um, I was married to someone who didn't love me. And I didn't know Jesus, even though my, my soul told me it was wrong. And although I knew nothing of Jesus um, as my Savior, my choice disturbed me. While I was preparing for this testimony, I sat back and I closed my eyes and I asked Jesus to take me back during that time. And I asked him, Jesus, what was I feeling? What was I feeling? Jesus showed me a woman standing in a dark corner 
She was looking out into a room that was flooded with color and light. There were people relating to each other, laughing, smiling, talking. But the woman in the corner, she had to stay there because she had a secret to protect. Get a glimpse of what Jesus did for me. I relate to the woman like Jesus' feet. And the Pharisees are like, do you not know who she is, what she is? And he said that she was a sinner and her sins were many, but those who have been forgiven much, love much. And therein lies the freedom. Um, once we've repented of our moral failures, um, Jesus will come in and heal our hearts from all pain and um, the trespasses against us. At the age of 44, Jesus became my Savior and my Lord. I experienced heart healing through the power of Jesus Christ. The chains were broken and I was finally set free. Even though this is painful, um, I just love people. And I don't want to forget the pain. I pray that God gives me tears. Otherwise, you can't cry with people. Not if you ask God to take away the tears. But I want to feel the pain so that I can be of use for someone else. I believe there are many women who can relate to my story. But there is hope. For you see, as God revealed the truth to me of His love and His how I was a pressure, precious treasure to Him, he took my shame, he took my confusion, my self-condemnation, my fears, my insecurities, and he replaced them with his peace. There is sadness in my heart, and there will always be until Jesus calls me home. But I cling to the truth of 2 Samuel 12, 23. When King David says of the death of his baby, with Bathsheba. Can I bring him back? No, but I will go to him. I don't know if I would have done anything different, but I wish I would have seen at least ultrasound and then known all the details of abortion. The Women's Resource Center will graphically share that information with them every stage that an abortion is done, what their baby will go through. God replaced my shame with anticipation of seeing my baby in heaven. God planted, planted a seed in my heart <clears throat> and has given me the privilege of being his instrument in presenting heartbeat bottles for babies. Nearly 2,000 babies are aborted daily in the United States. In Nebraska, 2,100 every year. 80% of the unborn are saved when a mother sees an ultrasound of her baby, 40% without. Heartbeat provides empty baby bottles to be filled with your change or however God speaks to your heart. All money collected will go to the Women's Resource Center in North Platte, specifically for these ultrasounds. The Women's Resource Center is a pro-life, nonprofit organization. They are an outreach ministry and has served West Central Nebraska since 1989. Their specific purpose is to protect the life of the unborn. They offer love and practical help to those with unplanned pregnancies. They advocate healthy and moral relationships and minister the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. All their services are free of charge. They do not provide nor do they refer to abortions. They also help women um, who have had abortions with healing and also the men or boys 
that um, were also inst instrumental in that decision. I ask that you prayerfully consider joining me in this mission to help support the Women's Resource Center. When I was starting this ministry, the enemy really worked on me. He was telling me, why do this? What does it matter? You know that baby's going to heaven. You don't really need to do anything. And I struggled with that. It was a bad thought. But God spoke to my heart and he said, I created that baby for a purpose. And my purpose and my will is worth fighting for. And I love that baby. And I mean for it to be born. And that settled it in my heart that this was definitely the thing to do. And God put an excitement in my heart for it. I just ask that you please pray for God's favor, mercy, and grace upon heartbeat. And that all monies that are donated would save the life of an unborn, not some, not 80%. But every ultrasound this ministry funds, I pray those babies will be saved. I thank you for your time and may God bless. Um, be with you in just a second. <laughs> Deb, I'm so proud of you. I'm not sure where you're at in the auditorium, but so proud of you. Here's the thing. The enemy was working at me. To what? Just keep it between you and God. Just, just keep this vertical relationship. Don't, no, no, don't, 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 don't. Don't go horizontal. Don't go horizontal with that. Because that could make an impact on someone else's life. There it is. There it is. See, incredible things, incredible ministries, and crossing, some of them birthing right out of your church. It's an awesome thing. So those are where we are going to be giving and uh, being able to support these ministries. And so... Hope that you will grab a bottle on your way out and fill that Hummer up with all of that concession change that you're not using and, uh, and bring that back. All right? So our service opportunities. Um, here's the thing. Some of you are serving in nonprofits and you volunteer there and, and, and these aren't going to work out for you and that's fine. But hey, between now and the end of October, find something, Okay? Find something, and, and here's what I would love for you to do, and if you're online, here's what I'd love for you to do. You know what? Engage in what, you know what, God wants to use you through in your nonprofit, and would you keep track of the time that you are spending in those volunteer positions, and then text that amount of time. We want to be able to track how many hours did we serve through the end of, of September and October. But corporately, here's some opportunities for us uh, together that we can do. First of all, at Maranatha Camp, on October 3rd, there's a paint party at 9 a.m. It's going to start at 9 a.m. They're going to be painting the entryway into where you would, if you've been there many times, where we would uh, normally have the cafeteria and eat and stuff. They are going to paint that. Some of you love to paint. I don't understand you at all, but you love to paint, and this is you are all over this, okay? And that is going to be October 3rd. October 10th, October 10th is another community movie night that Maranatha has invited the Crossing to come and help serve the community as they come and watch a movie on their property, okay? And so we can just come and, and say, hey, how can we serve? And this is open to all ages, okay? So bring the family along, serve along with your little kiddos, and, uh, and, and you know what? It's not labor-intensive, okay? So that's a great opportunity. And then Camp Kamika. We want to be able to do more and more with Camp Kamika as well. October 24th is a miscellaneous cleanup. That is like... I don't want to paint, you know what, but I can, work, I can do something with my hands. This is something for you, okay? So how do we sign up for this? 
There's a couple of different ways. You can sign up through the Church Center app. You can sign up through the Church Center app and on events. Um, you can sign up right there, or you can go to our website. And if you would go to the website, there's a place on the website, if you just scroll down a little bit, where you can sign up there as well so we know who is coming. And then finally, um, we want you to love. And we have a specific way that we want you to do this. And we would love for you to do this this week, and uh, if not this week, within the next couple of weeks. But this is so simple. And, and you know what? If you're in-house, you should have gotten a card that kind of gives you some ideas of how we want you to love. But would you choose a public servant that you know, and it could be a security officer, it could be a police officer, it could be a firefighter, it could be a teacher, it could be someone who's working in local government, um, could just be someone who is hurting and you know about it, but would you write them a thoughtful note this week? God's put them on your mind for a reason. Would you follow through and say, it's not just enough for me and God and God put something on my mind to go horizontal with, and I'm just going to hold it close to the vest and not do it, would you actually do that and carry through and write that, con that thoughtful note to someone, send it to them, and if you're able, even put a gift card in with it. So, crossing, this is how God changed the world. This is how Christianity made its way out of the first century. It's because the church did extraordinary things in giving, in serving, and in loving. May we be rich. So, we're not going to end with a prayer. We're not going to end with a song. I'm going to give you a command to be rich, and then I'm going to say you are dismissed. And, uh, and if you want to stay in the auditorium and, and uh, give online right here, you can do that. If you want to go and talk to Deb, you can do that. She has a, a, a deal, a display out in the commons area. But we would love for you to give. And it will be, um, the giving part will be open today through this week and next Sunday. But we would love for you to accomplish that today if you would. So, on the count of three, one, two, Three, go be rich. We're excited for you all to be a part of this Sunday of Be Rich and this week as we get to um, work alongside what God's doing in this area and in our community. So, um, Pastor Eric, would you remind everybody that's listening online what they can do to get a baby yeah. bottle? Yeah, we were talking on staff. It's like, okay, how are we going to get the baby bottles to everyone that's online? Mm -hmm. So we would love for you to comment if you want a baby bottle. You can make a comment. If, you're just, if you just want to grab a jar of your own and fill that up, and, uh, and then if you need to stay quarantined or you, 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 don't, you can't come, um, just contact one of the pastors, or you can drop it off here at the Life Center, and we will make sure that it gets to Deb. So yeah. that, would be, that would be great. Great. One of the things that I was excited about was this opportunity with Be Rich gives us different ways to get involved in our community and love our community um, through giving or doing or caring. And um, how would you say, okay, be a part of Be Rich, but what goes out from there? What goes on from this for our community? Yeah. Well, I think the thing that, that uh, Be Rich does such a great job of is the, is the community realizes that the church is for them, not against them. And the church is not done a great job through the years of communicating in tangible ways that we are for our communities. And so Be Rich can, I mean, no strings attached generosity is one of the best ways for uh, a church to communicate to a, to a community that, you know what, no strings attached, we are for you um, and, and tangibly helping. One of the things I was thinking about while you're teaching was that just like um, we talked about the different ways to worship and to connect to God and we all look different. And I thought this week, if we all do all these ways, but we're going to find what really gets our heart going 
to care for our community. And so it may be writing the letters and connecting with people that way. And it may be um, serving. It may be that you just love to be super generous and give abundantly. And um, that going out from here, you can find your sweet spot. Yeah. That really is exciting. Or the kind of ministry that it really connects to yeah. your heart. Yeah. So. And I, and I would say with the serving deals, I would challenge you to sign up and, and go to one of those things. And I think what you're going to find is working side by side with some people that maybe you'll even meet that day, but you're going to have a connection with them that you never had before. In fact, you might even have a lifelong friend that you'll connect with there, and the only, way that you, the only reason you connected with them is because you went and you decided to serve together. So last thing is, what do you feel like, how does, um, you talked about having a vertical relationship with God, but that if our horizontal relationship with loving others isn't there, um, that our relationship with God isn't right, how would you say that this week could impact our fellowship um, with their relationship with God? Mm. Well, you know, I think intuitively there's part of us that knows that it's a scam, that, that we're just doing this vertical thing, but it's not really going, translating horizontally. So I think um, when you step into that and you embrace it, there's actually a peace and a joy. Um, and all of a sudden, you, what you may have thought, there's nothing to this because it just feels like a religion. That's why. I mean, when you engage relationally, horizontally, then... Man, there is some deep satisfaction that comes with, with that because you are going hand in hand with, with what God's up to in the world. And that's a cool thing. Yeah, it's amazing how getting uncomfortable by getting outside your comfort zone of loving others um, brings joy that you can't experience any other way. So we just encourage you again, um, Crossing Fellowship, be rich this week.